Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with supermodel Carolyn Murphy, who has been modeling for 30 years and this year is celebrating 20 years as the face of Estee Lauder. Indeed, she is the longest reigning spokesmodel in the industry. I wanted to ask Carolyn how modeling has changed in three decades, including how influencers are impacting the space and how brand partnerships have evolved. Welcome, Carolyn. Oh my gosh. Thank you for that introduction. I feel so honored oh to be God. here with you today and, and to have all the listeners. And um, yeah, there's lots to talk about, huh? So exciting. So much to talk about. Let's talk about this 20-year partnership. Huh, 20, like, why has that made sense? Why has that worked out so well? Well, I don't know why. I can't really speak for the, on behalf of the brand itself, but you know, it's crazy. I I would have never dreamed that we would be having this conversation where I would say that I was the face of Estee Lauder 20 years later. Or or actually maybe the face of Estee Lauder to begin with. I still, when I'm on set and pinching myself, it's like a dream come true because I grew up with the brand. I mean, literally, I grew up my Nana's vanity with her white linen and the gold tubes of lipstick. And I remember just pining to wear beautiful perfume and going to the beauty counters and seeing Paulina Porsikova as the bride and my mom's, you know, lipsticks and foundations. So for me growing up with this brand, having my entry point with Clinique, which, you know, they own and using the three-step and then prescriptives, which they also own, which was concealer. And you're too young for any of this, but it's just really, it really is phenomenal. And I'm so proud and I'm so grateful and I'm so honored. And I'm still to this day in disbelief. Yes. Well, we were talking prior to the recording about kind of the business mindset that models have grown to have, maybe didn't have 20 years ago. Did you know what an opportunity that was, I guess, going in? You know, I knew the opportunity in modeling, but, you know, I have a little bit of a funny story. So I started to, I started modeling because my mother put me in a finishing school. This is very proper. This is a very kind of Southern thing. I was shy. I was quiet. My mom thought it was the only way to kind of get me out of my shell. I was miserable. I did not want to be in that weekly course, learning how to walk with a book on my head. I had poise. I, I was like, I have taste. I have all of it. I just, you know, I'm shy. And so, and, and my Nana was my style icon, you know, she was super chic, always entertaining. They lived in DC. So like, I knew that it was there, but I wasn't, you know, up to my mother's standards. So it's interesting how that catapulted, you know, she always had my best interests, but it catapulted into having a career as a fashion model. And my parents were like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. She's going to college. No, 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 no. And I had this um, kind of, you know, intuitive resistance only because it was ingrained. You have to have, you have to finish high school. You have to go to college, which I did, right? I didn't finish college by a few months, but I did. 
So it was by happenstance to, to go into the industry. There was some resistance and reluctance because we all just thought we're like, maybe people see, I was like, people see something in me. I don't see, like, I don't get it. I'm not six feet tall. You know, uh, you know, these glamazons at the time were like Christy, Linda, Naomi, I saw them in the George Michael video, but boy, seeing them in person, I was so starstruck. And I was like, there's no way I could be like these women. There's just no way. So, um, so it didn't, I I didn't really get into it right away. And then I was in college and I was, I was actually doing laundry at a laundry mat because, you know, we're all living in housing. And I remember opening the pages of Bazaar and there were pictures of Kate Moss and Emma Balfour and so the industry had all of a sudden turned in the early 90s. And there were there were models that I felt like I could relate to, the fashion I could relate to, because grunge was kind of how we were dressing to be cool, like an Adidas and a in a flannel, whatever. I know I'm yeah. babbling, but the whole point No, this is great. I finally was like, oh, I can relate to this. So I was commuting between DC at my, my parents' um, house, from my grandparents' house into New York, which was super easy, doing some modeling jobs. And I think in the 90s, because that integration of art and music, and it was such a great time for both of those, like art and music and fashion, there was a lot of passion there, right? And there was a lot of connection and interaction. And so I didn't have the business sense really at that time because it was just kind of like, well, let's see where this goes. I didn't develop a business sense towards my career until much, 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 much later, probably actually until after I gave birth to my daughter. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I, I'm a mom and I've, I've got to, I got to get it together. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were talking about, um, Fellow model Carly Claus, seeing that I'm in St. Louis. <laughs> um, gosh, do you do you think that she went into modeling like with the mindset, or she just moved fast? Like, what are you seeing about the the models that are emerging? I guess more recently. You know, it's interesting with Carly because I was with her on one of her very first jobs. We were shooting Lord and Taylor, and we were out in the countryside, out on Long Island in New York. And I remember she walked in and I looked at the hairdresser and I said, wow, this girl is going to be a star. It was her poise. It was her manners. And listen, that's a really big part of it is is having manners. And she just was polite. She was engaging. She was present. And to this day, she has not changed. And to me, that's a mark of a star. She's been consistent from day one. She could move. She knew how to work with the camera. Um, What I loved about watching Carly's evolution from this 15-year-old schoolgirl, I think part of the biggest joy is seeing her blossom into becoming this young woman. And what I was saying to you before we began our conversation today um, that, you know, my love for Carly and my is also like partly being a fan because yeah. she really took the reins and she said, okay, I'm going to set goals for myself. This is a job and this is how I'm going to do it. And the only person I saw from my, from, I guess, from the, not even in my generation, really nobody just after was Giselle Boonstein. Where the, and Carly did the same thing. She said, I am going to set a career path 
and I'm going to set goals and I'm just going to give it all, give it my all. And wow, what a great role model. And my daughter and Carly are friends. Oh, nice. She really looks up to, to Carly. And so Carly to my daughter is kind of like Christy Turlington and Cindy Crawford were for me. And those were yeah. two strong business women from the generation prior. I'd say the nineties, my generation, everybody's a little more raucous. Yes. Would you say, I feel like you are the exception in terms of the longevity of your career. I remember, you know, having worked like hand in hand as a stylist with a modeling agency. I always remember the conversation with young models and you mentioned about your parents saying, but college, I always remember the talk about this window that you have. It's kind of like, take it or leave it. Do you remember that conversation? Um, Do you think that's more typical? Well, you know, it's interesting because I start even though I'm the same age as um, some of the girls like Amber, Valetta, Shalom, Harlow, Kate Moss, everybody thinks I'm younger because I started five years after them. Um, and, and it's so interesting because I just remember, of course I knew that it was like, oh my God, what do you mean? You're 21 and you're just moving to New York to model. Um, but I don't have the concept of age in my personal life. I still think that I'm just young and goofy and and it doesn't really, even though I am getting closer to 50, that might be a little bit of a lie. (laughs) I am thinking about it. But, um, no, you know, I, I definitely was older. I was definitely older and I kind of was like, you know, my sanity is more important and my parents, I'm so grateful for that guidance and, and for, you know, for them instilling, um, maybe some of that ethic in me, uh, but I didn't finish college, which is kind of a bummer. And I'm harping on my daughter about it now. Um, and I think that, you know, I have no regrets. I have no regrets. I, I, I don't think that I would have been able to handle that time in the industry the way that I did had I not started later like I did. Right on. Well, you were discovered. You <laughs> linked with an agency. What would you say were, were the key, I guess, points that really um, saw your career taking off? Was it walking in a certain show? Obviously, it was a different day and time. Um, was it being featured in Vogue? What, what were those? Uh, I guess, What went into it? Well, I think, you know, my big break really came, well, first of all, I had a work ethic. Um, Again, during that time, a lot of, there was other things going on, right? We've read about them. We know about the nineties. I was labeled as the professional and I was really annoyed at that because I wanted so badly to be cool. I just, I wanted so badly to be cool, like Kate Moss, but I just, I couldn't, you know, my constitution was different. My work ethic was different. And, you know, I, I remember that part of me felt like, oh, yeah, yeah I've been recognized for, for, for my level of professionalism because they listed like the top 10 supermodels and I, of the time and I was like number four. And I couldn't believe that I was in that group. Um, and part of me was like, oh, darn it. You know, it's so boring to be called the professional. But then the other part of me, I was kind of proud. Um, it took me a while. It didn't, it, my big break really didn't happen until about 95, 96. It was two or three years in, you know, really trying. And it was for French Vogue for a cover where they're like, oh, you look like Romy Schneider. And I'm like, who? So I had to learn about um, <laughs> Schneider. She was, a, you know, a European actress. And that's what I loved about my job really was the creativity and the art, because partly that's what I was studying in school you know, was art history and, and literature. 
And I loved watching the films. I loved the research. I loved the books. So that is really where my, um, my essence came from on set was using that. And so that was for the cover of French Vogue, I think 95 and then 90 around that time, 95, 96 was the Prada campaign with David Sims. And, you know, before that, I didn't know who Prada was. I didn't know who, who Versace, I didn't know any of these huge design houses. Um, and so, um, and then of course, American Vogue and, you know, that followed like 96. I think my first cover was with um, Shalom and Amber. And I was so nervous because they had already had a few under their belt and been around. And I was like, oh my God, nobody's going to eat me alive. And American Vogue, of course, growing up with that magazine, just to be featured was huge. And then of course there was Stephen Mizell who was like the ultimate photographer and to work with him. And once he and I started working together, 96, 97, it just all took off. And then I was working with Helmut Newton, Irving Penn, you know, Bruce Weber, like some of the greats. And it was just, I just, you know, again, was in disbelief, but I was really having so much fun creatively. I, I love the creativity behind my job. Yes. I just love it. Would you say that it was a uh, a benefit or maybe, I don't know, a con in, in terms of um, your experience versus now in terms of models using being discovered on social media and Instagram is the new, I guess, model book and um, having that the pressure to have that presence and to be engaging with an audience and the follower count is maybe how you're getting jobs. Maybe I'm blowing this up in my mind and that's not exactly happening, but um, yeah, your experience compared to now, I mean, yeah. What, what, what's your take on that? Well, we didn't have the layer of social media. So if you can imagine, we didn't have cell phones, <laughs> we didn't have social media. So you would go to Paris and you were literally given a list of appointments and a little book called a plan de Paris. And a plan de Paris was like a map of the subway station. That was it. You were fitting for yourself. You were on your own go. Same thing. If you went to Japan, you went to New York, that was it. You had a file of facts. So you know, there's no hand holding there. And it was a real, it was a, it was tough, right? It was really not easy. It's so interesting too, because we, we really had to pound the pavement to get anywhere as models. Like you, there was no hand holding. And, you know, I can't speak for the models today, but if obviously you have a lot of, you have a lot of models who come from celebrity reality shows. And, you know, I have a lot of respect for those girls. They're beautiful. You know, um, you have a lot of influencers who are out there today that have kind of changed the face of the industry in some regards, right? I mean, at the end of the day, a model is a model. And I can't speak for what holds value to those models, but from what I observed, you know, to really kind of, you know, in, you know, in 2021, you know, big break, what does that mean? It's still kind of the same. It's still kind of the same. Like you've got those photographers that you want to work with. You've got those uh, fashion houses that you want to work with and, and do the advertising for. You want to get that cosmetic contract. That is, all holds true. Um, but what's wonderful about today is that there's a whole new generation of photographers and stylists, which I think is so exciting, right? There's a whole new crop coming up. Um, 
But when it comes to the influencers, you know, to be honest, I'm not a huge fan because I, you know, I watched that documentary with my daughter a few weeks ago called Fake Famous, and it was so revealing, right? And and did you see that? It, it was fascinating and and again the 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 bold the bold word there is fake you know fake fame so i feel like for all you know it really traditionally as a model you're still out there pounding the pavement you know standing in front of people putting yourself out there getting rejected which is a huge part of the industry you know um putting your time in and I'm not yeah. saying that influencers don't have a place or a value, you know, they do, but as related to modeling, I don't see them as models. And I'm not sure that all that hype around them is, is earned in a way that I can totally comprehend. If that yep. makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Well, they're obviously kind of making their way into campaigns, making their way into, into, um, onto runways even. Um, but I want to talk about that in terms of, um, fashion brands, maybe expanding their horizons, not just influencers, but in terms of diversity, age, diversity, size, diversity, uh, um, yes, race and ethnicity. Um, do you see that actually like happening in a big way? Do you think the, the fashion industry is, I feel like it's headed in a more positive direction. Could it be moving faster? What, what What's your take on that? Oh my gosh. I think it's so wonderful to see the evolution taking place. Um, not only is a woman, and this is, I'm taking myself away at, from, at, from the model part of me. I'm going as a consumer, as a mother, as a woman, I get goosebumps. I think the diversity and ethnicity and body shape and size and background and culture, it's so vital. And I also think that fashion has the power um, of so much influence, you know, not just style anymore. It's so much more. And it's a responsibility that is, is being taken very seriously within the industry. And Um, I think I'm just so excited to see how it keeps going. Like I love um, Janaya, the future. I don't even know if if Janaya would say that, you know, that they're an influencer. I just love the voice. I love the platform. And I think that that's where I'm so in awe of some of the other influencers, if you will, that are that are really focusing on social social justices, um, social justice, environmentalism, climate change. All of this is so important and it's so vital. So that integration of this type of influencer with a voice, with a purpose, with a meaning, that's what I'm all about. I'm so excited for that. Yes. Let's talk about the your own, um, I guess, um, initiatives um, you're supporting. I, w- I would want to know if um, I know that you, <laughs> again, env- I think environmental causes, if I'm correct, but um, across the board, but if if your fashion or if your modeling career really um, led you to, the, to this and maybe um, what you were seeing in the space or what you weren't. But anyway, talk to me about your, I guess, the values and the importance of using your platform for good? Well, it's interesting. I, I'm still learning how to use my, my platform. I'm not, 
I'm not really great. I, I think that my um, Instagram social media presence definitely needs work. I'm a one woman show. I don't have assistants. I don't have managers. And, and you know, it's not, not intuitive for me. While I love the creativity of taking photos, I'm terrible at self-promotion. Um, so I'm still learning how to engage. You know, there was this quote that said, you know, I, I just want to be an artist, not a brand. And I had felt like that so much of my career. Um, I, much to my agent's dismay, especially when I had, you know, had gotten the cover of Sports Illustrated, which again, I was like, how did that happen? I just, it, you know, things were just kind of happening. And then I did a movie with Barry Levinson and everybody thought I was the new Grace Kelly and I was going to become an actress. And I said, no, I'm actually moving to Costa Rica and I'm working a school and I'm going to help rehabilitate and, you know, help build the school, which, which is what I did. But I have a, I have a propensity to shy away from the spotlight. And I think that carries over into my social media presence that yes, I will do my job as a model and I will highlight product and I will happily do so. Um, when it comes to, to activism, I like to call myself an advocate and it's not that I don't have opinions and I don't have things to say. I just do things um, very quietly and I'm involved in a lot of different organizations. Um, you know, surf rider schoolyard, New York, um, no more plastic. I'm working on a capsule collection right now with mother jeans, which I've been a huge fan for a long time. And we're doing a completely collection. So there are things that I do, but my main focus has always been nature. And it comes from a place of advocacy rather than activism. And the difference in that layer for me is when I'm an advocate, I'm advocating for something that I believe in because I've taken the time to do my research. I've taken the time to get the information and I'm not going to ever preach to anybody about it. I'm not going to stand on a soapbox about it. I always want to highlight and put insight around it. And then that way people can take from what they want. Because if I'm not entirely walking the walk, right, then it's really contradictory to talk the talk. So then I just like to say, this is kind of what we know. And this is my experience. And let me share with you how I've been able to adapt. That makes perfect sense. That mother collaboration, is that something that's newer? Are you collaborating with brands in an official capacity with your name on it? Uh, is there opportunity for the Carolyn Murphy brand? <laughs> well, that's interesting. You you ask because I, again, I've done a couple of collaborations, but they've always been much more quiet. Uh, I worked with Shinola, which is a great brand out of Detroit. And, you know, that was wonderful because I was so excited, you know, a, a brand American made, um, spending time in Detroit, really when they're kind of making this comeback. I love that city so much. I love that state. I loved, um, the whole ethos of the brand, you know, was really important to me. And, and I was honored to not only be their model and that's how that relationship came about was I was modeling for them first. And then they realized that I had half of a brain and I had some design sense. So I went on to work with them and designing watches. And then I did a 
collection that was based around my grandmother whose style was, you know, very city to country. So I did um, the lowest tote in honor of her. Um, But again, I never really want it to be about me. And I think that also goes back to, I always want to pay it forward. I want to do things that have purpose and meaning. And I think that also comes from journalism too. And so Mama Murphy's is like a placehold name of something that I've been wanting to do for 10 years, which is an online journalistic magazine of sorts. And that has been in the works for a while. And the wonderful thing about social media and technology where I it, you know, had this aha moment was, oh, I can actually use this. And so we will be launching an IGTV for this journalism, which is so exciting. Yes. Yes, it is. And it, and, and it's gonna, it's gonna be about all kinds of different things. And, and, um, you know, I really, really am looking forward to that because it's a whole other, it's a whole other facet. It's a whole other, a whole other side to myself, but it's not about me. Yes. Well, you've been writing. This is, is this a passion of yours? Are you, is there a book happening as well? I feel like I, this is ringing a bell. It's interesting. You know, if the book that you're reading about in this rumor mill about a book is actually a fiction novel. <laughs> so there's two, there's two things. Um, I did a lot of bibliotherapy with my daughter when she was younger because I'm a single mother and um, I used bibliotherapy where we would make, I would make up stories. Like there was Darcy the dolphin that was just her and her mom. Um, and then she had a friend, Wendy the whale that had, you know, the mother, the father and like 10 siblings and the mother never had time for her, but Darcy and her mom. And well, so the story goes. So I decided to take a lot of those bibliotherapy stories that we were using in our family to kind of cope out and put them into print. Um, and then the other part of that is also um, the fiction novel is this kind of um, something that I've just, I've written my entire life. It was like my, my safe space was, was journaling and writing and also being out in nature. I have a tendency, I have a very vivid, wild imagination and I love reading. So this is kind of a good place to put my energy is into writing this novel. I can't say when it's going to come out, um, but at least yeah. with the books, it's easier because they're shorter. And I also paint and draw and I can illustrate the story. I can illustrate those as well. Um, and the other one will probably come out, God, many years from now. Who knows? It's who knows. How great. Well, 20 years with Estee Lauder. I mean, are you just like, keep modeling. There's no end in sight, right? The interesting about modeling these days is that you would have been done by the time you were 27, 28 back in the day. That's 20 years later. I'm almost 48 years old. I never thought that I would still be modeling, let alone the Estee Lauder would keep me around. <laughs> but um, we have such a great partnership. I, you know, I'm, it really is genuine. It really is heartfelt. We are family. They have been huge supporters of, of my career. And, you know, I think maybe demographically as well, you know, there's this ambiguity with, with maybe the way that I look, I don't know, but 
there is so much more going on within the brand and upcoming that I'm so proud of. Este herself was an innovator, an entrepreneur. She was a champion for women. I mean, it's the essence of the brand. If you've ever read any books about her, and and one of them is the company I keep, you know, Leonard Lauder's new book, you can learn much more about her and you will see that she was so modern and she was so ahead of the times and she's been a huge inspiration. And then my friendship with Erin Lauder, who also has created her own brand, which is akin to her grandmother, it's kind of a natural progression evolution and she's a style icon to boot. Um, It's just really wonderful. And I'm so excited to see how our relationship will evolve uh, with the sign of the times, which I can't tell you too much, but there are other incredible things coming. Good. We are not stopping anytime soon. Well, I have to ask before we sign off because I'm like a fashion week junkie. I just love it. But <laughs> can you tell me about I'm the I'm the last editor that loves fashion week. But can you tell me about um gosh, your experience with with walking in the shows and whether you think that's losing relevance, what what the future holds there um just as as an insider. I hope that fashion week doesn't lose its its place. I, I honestly, it's such a backbone of our industry. There's the anticipation, there's the excitement. And thank you by the way, because it is people like you who help keep that part of our industry alive and exciting. And there is an anticipation that the creativity people want to see who's in the show, what the designers are creating and wearing. There's a lot of dialogue around, you know, what's going to happen with COVID. But I can tell you from experience, because I just was in New York doing Michael Kors, the fashion show there. And I did, you know, a few weeks ago, there's an adaptation that has taken place with COVID, right? Um, So it's more about filming, which is, which is. it's different, but it's also been an exciting, uh, you know, turn of events that we've adapted to. Um, So I'm excited when Michael Kors does come out in a week or two, I think people will be excited to view that online, but I hope that actual fashion week does come back because no matter what, with all of this technology connection is still so important and so vital. And I think we've learned that fashion aside, just in the world alone, that we need to be together and that we're all stronger and happier together. And community is everything. Do you think that COVID uh, and the year we've been through, um, any other impacts on the industry outside of Fashion Week um, in terms of, you know, I know that a lot of brands have really pared down how the, the production that goes into a, a campaign or a photo shoot or anything along those lines, maybe? The, the impact from COVID, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Well, I think the biggest shift that the, 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 there was so much dialogue around the fashion industry taking responsibility for its environmental impact. So this is the conversation that's really happening right now because climate change is real. Um, Luckily, we have an administration, a president that's really recognizing that. Sorry to get political in, in that moment, but it really is important because fashion, whether you're dealing with human hands and, and crafting, 
and, you know, the ethics there, or you're dealing with the amount of water that's being used and the pollution that's being put out there. There's a lot of things that need to shift. So I'm hoping that the positive outcomes are there. I, again, I do know firsthand that there's a lot of dialogue around that. It takes time to change habits, but this is again, where being an advocate is so much better than an activist because we didn't have the information then that we do now. It's the bottom line. No blaming, no pointing fingers, Anger begets anger. So why don't you use positive positivity and solutions to beget positivity and solutions? Well, hey, I love that positive note to end it on. Carolyn, this was so fun. Thank you for being on. Gosh, are you kidding? Thank you. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Be sure to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to The Glossy Podcast. See you next week.